Hello and welcome again to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is retro pay-per-view number two for this week. It's WCW Bash at the Beach 2000. And I'm not going to waste any time getting into this. It was held at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, 6,572 in attendance for this show. It took place July 9th in the year 2000. And if you don't know WCW history, 2000 is a very, very bad and pivotal year for the promotion. And we start out with a limousine showing up at the show with Ernest the Cat Miller in it. And he told his chauffeur to tell MIA and the Filthy Animals that they are banned from ringside. He is the commissioner now, Ernest the Cat Miller. And he's going to ban people from ringside during this Cruiserweight Championship match to open the show. And then some like Asian music plays in the background. And then the ninjas show up, a.k.a. the uh, Young Dragons. And he fights them off. And then we get a little video getting us ready for the show. And then the show officially starts. And it's Lieutenant Loco, a.k.a. Chavo Guerrero versus Juventud Guerrera, a.k.a. The Juice. And Juventud shows up with his uh, Filthy Animals comrades. And this is noteworthy because Rey Mysterio, a Rey Rey Mysterio Jr., that's what he was going by at this point, has no mask. And Conan also shows up. Disco Inferno, uh, well, he was called something else at that point. And then Vanessa also show up ringside. And then also when, uh, well, Juventud has the title for some reason. He stole the title from... Uh, Lieutenant Loco, and then MIA show up shows up to the rings to ringside two alongside uh, Lieutenant Loco, and they both leave the ring, and they have a nice they have a semi decent opener here. Uh, Juventud is very reserved. He didn't use a lot of high flying stuff earlier on in this match. He did go to the well a little bit later on. Uh, Lieutenant Loco dominated the early portions of this match. And then it got overbooking nonsense starts here. The overbooking nonsense starts here because they feel the animals try to show up with masks on and they get kicked out. And then the MIA, the Misfits in Action, they show up in masks and they sit there until the end of the match. And there was a cool, there was a couple of cool spots in here where uh, Chavo did a Vader bomb to the outside. He did a springboard Vader bomb on to uh, Hooventude. And I don't know, these guys had a pretty solid match. A nice, some nice counters late in, later on in the match before the filthy animals showed up. But uh, Lieutenant Loco was distracted by one of the, I think it was Major Guns, if I'm correct. That distracts Hoovy as he's up on the top rope. And Loco knocks him off the top, a.k.a. Chavo, gets the pin, but the official is distracted. Then Loco gets the Tornado DDT countered. Then Loco hits a reverse DDT drop on Hoovy for a very close two count. Loco then goes for a couple of moves. Hoovy counters. Falcon Arrow by Hoovy. Loco gets his foot on the rope. Then moments later, Loco hits a Tornado DDT to retain at 12 minutes and 9 seconds. 
I'm gonna give this match a B minus. The faction nonsense was pretty dumb. Who, oh, just because they're wearing masks, they don't know who they are. That is the absolute stupidest thing I've seen. One of the stupidest things I've seen. I did enjoy the match from these two, and it could have been better without the factions showing up, as they were supposed to be banned from ringside, but I guess they're not, because they kept showing up at ringside even though they were barred from it. Made no sense at all, but uh, this match was pretty good. I'd go and check this one out. Go and check out pretty much any match on the pay-per-view. There's not like any standout blow-away matches on this, but there's a couple of solid ones spread throughout this pay-per-view. This would have been a lot better if they just let them have a normal match. These guys can go. These guys put on some put on a pretty decent match. Some high-flying stuff from both Hoovy and Loco, and it was a WCW cruiserweight match. So. WCW Cruiserweight matches are usually pretty good. Ernest Miller then says he's done with the Young Dragons. It's over. He's backstage. He's at his uh, desk. And then Jarrett shows up. He wants to know where Hogan is at. And uh, Jarrett has his Viking lady there or whatever, opera singer. I don't know. It's a weird thing there. It's weird stuff at the time. Some weird, weird stuff going on at the time. Then we get Big Vito uh, defending his WCW Hardcore Championship against Norman Smiley and Ralphus in a handicap hardcore match for the WCW Hardcore Championship. And they show video video uh, Vito attacking Funk as he was arriving to the arena on the Thunder uh, the Wednesday prior. And then Vito has a mystery opponent, and it turns out to be Norman Smiley, screaming Norman Smiley, and he has Ralphus guarding him. This match only goes about five minutes. Vito takes out Ralphus immediately. They end up going backstage, fighting backstage. Vito beating up Smiley early on. And then they finally get backstage, and Smiley's hitting him with trash cans and weapons, and then pounds Vito. Ralphus, he gets involved, hits Vito over the head with a trash can. This is mildly entertaining. Smiley does the wiggle, which just looks absolutely inappropriate. Smiley throwing Vito into stuff. Ralphus smashing Vito in the head with a trash can lid. Vito then throws Norman into equipment. They fight on top of it. Vito smashes Norman with a trash can lid. Norman then gets tries to get on the elevator. And then Norman and uh, Vito fight in the elevator. And then Vito leaves Norman in the elevator, which just leaves Ralphus ringside. So Ralphus goes up to the ramp, and then Vito gets to him and throws Ralphus back in the ring, beats him up. Ralphus has a crop top on, by the way. Uh, Vito puts a trash can lid on Ralphus's nether regions and smashes the trash can lid with a baseball bat and then Vito gets a table out and the, one of the table legs on this table are broken so he sets Ralphus on the table Vito then heads up top hits a splash on Ralphus, Ralphus to end this at five minutes actually just under six minutes and Smiley shows up after the match was over he was late in getting back to the ring after he got stuck on the elevator. I'm going to give this match a C. This was mildly entertaining stuff. Mildly entertaining hardcore match. Nothing really great in it. But it still had, it was kind of a fun plunder brawl. And Ralphus and Norman Smiley, I don't know what it is, but they're weirdly entertaining to me. I don't know. Then they cut backstage to Goldberg showing up with Scott Hall's contract. And then we get Mean Gene with Kevin Nash. Defeat Goldberg, stay in WCW, and if you lose, you may never see Nash in WCW again. 
He's not going to let his and uh, Scott Hall's fun end. He's going to beat Goldberg tonight. Then after that, we get a wedding gown match. A wedding gown match. And this is... Oh my goodness, this is bad. This is really, really awful. And the crazy thing is, this card had 11 matches on it, and they could have easily cut it down to probably 7 or 8, and maybe had a decent pay-per-view. But this match is the drizzling craps. The drizzling craps. This video, this match gets a video package. David Flair left Daphne. The story is David Flair left Daphne for Miss Hancock, and I can't believe we're getting a video package for this. But uh, the first, the winner of this match is going to be the first person to rip off the wedding dress of the other. And Flair shows up with Miss Hancock. Flair and David Flair. And Hancock make out as Daphne makes her entrance. Daphne then low blows Flair. Flair helps Hancock out. And both the official and David Flair have their pants ripped off, ripped off at this one point. At one point. Uh, Flair gets his pants ripped off by Daphne. And then the official gets his pants off, ripped off by Miss Hancock, a.k.a. Stacy Keebler, and it's revealed that the official has a pair of uh, tidy whities over his official shirt. No joke. This is absolutely terrible. And let's go to the later portions of this match. Uh, Daphne, like I said, the pantsing stuff happens. Daphne drops Miss Hancock face first into Flair's crotch. Oh, that's just wonderful. Hancock then tries to remove the dress from Daphne. Flair gives Hancock the clippers, and then Crowbar shows up to make the save, back suplexing and chopping Flair. Crowbar then takes his pants off for some reason. I have no idea. Crowbar front suplex face busters Flair, and I said at this point, what the hell am I watching? (laughs) Really, what am I watching? Uh, Then Crowbar chokes Flair in the corner with his pants. Daphne grabs the clippers. Stacy then gets on the mic and says, we all know what you want to see, and then tells production to hit her music. Hancock then strips her wedding gown off, and that ends the match. So what was the point of this match then? If we were just going to see Stacy take off her wedding gown. Daphne then wins after the official rings the bell. Then Crowbar just sits there and washes. And Miss Hancock goes to take her top off. Daphne then pokes her on the shoulder and then puts a wedding cake in her face. A piece of wedding cake, which was sitting ringside, uh, stuffs it in Stacy's face. And then they all have a cake fight. And oh my gosh, this was awful. This was absolutely awful. This, thank goodness, went about five minutes or so. But man, this was really, really, really bad. Completely avoid this, period. I'm going to give it an F. It was god-awful. Avoid it at any and all cost here. And I don't understand the point of the match if Stacy was just going to take off her clothes anyway, or wedding gown anyway. This was just dumb and very, very, very stupid. Then we get Ernest, the Cat Miller, talking to himself backstage. He's walking around backstage, and the Young Dragons are lurking in the background. And then we 
where you go to cut to commentary where they're not sure if Hogan's going to even be there. And they're stalling as they're trying to clean up the mess that was made during the cake fight uh, from the previous match. And he hasn't been on, Hogan hasn't been on Nitro and Thunder for the past few weeks. And they continue to stall while the cake gets cleaned up. Then we finally get to our next match. It's Chuck Palumbo and Sean Stasiak defending their WCW Tag Team Championships against Brian Adams and Brian Clark, also known as Chronic. And this match is kind of slow in plotting. And Adams, I mean Clark, and Stasiak and Palumbo at one time have a miscommunication. But they have a okay match. I'll say that. They have an okay match, which ends up leading to Chronic winning the WCW titles as Clark gets a clean tag. He stumbles on a clothesline at one time. Then he clotheslines Stasiak out of the ring. Pub handle uh, attempt gets countered by Palumbo into a DDT. And then Stasiak clears the ring of Clark and Adams. Stasiak hits a Diving clothesline off the apron onto Clark. These are the closing moments of the match. Stasiak gets Clark back in the ring. Clark kicks out. Then some miscommunication, like I said, between the three made for an awkward moment. But Stasiak and Palumbo take Clark out. Double flapjack. Adams makes the save. Throws Chuck out of the ring. Adams then hits an F5-like maneuver on Stasiak. Adams then tags tags in, knocks Palumbo off the apron, double boots in the corner, Adams then knocks Palumbo off the apron, double choke slam to Palumbo, actually Stasiak, and then Palumbo breaks up the pin, Palumbo then tries to knock Chronic off uh, the apron, but gets double choke slammed by Palumbo, not double choke slam, double choke slam to Palumbo, not by Palumbo, by uh, Chronic, and then Stasiak tries to use a nightstick on Adams, Knocks it out of Stasiak's hand. And then a clothesline powerbomb combo gets it done for Chronic, making them the new tag team champs at 13 minutes and 36 seconds. Some miscommunication and some uh, stumbles there made for some awkward moments during this match. And the flow of this match was not very good. I didn't really enjoy it all that much. Chronic wins the tag team titles. I'm going to give it a C. And then we cut to Ernest the Cat Miller backstage again. He's on the phone. Here's the music of uh, the Young Dragons again. And then Jarrett's back, still wondering where Hogan is. And then Ernest gets attacked by the Young Dragons. And then we get our next match, which is is, uh, Positively Chris Canyon. Well, it's Positively Canyon versus Booker T. And this is one of the best matches on on, on the night. One of the best matches for this uh, pay-per-view. And the crowd really loves Booker T at this time. The crowd's really into Booker T. And then Canyon's doing this fake DDT, DDT, DDP persona. And he's kind of a, he's a heel at this point. He has, he carries around DDP's book with a brick in it. At one time during this match, Canyon tries to use the brick on Booker Booker T and he does hit him with it but he only gets a two count out of it and that's because the brick had fallen out earlier on in the match 
And then... After he kicks out the pinfall attempt by Canyon, he hits a spin a Rooney, then he hits a step behind crescent kick, and then he knees Canyon in the gut and he hits the axe kick. He follows it up with the bookend. Canyon somehow kicks out of that while the official is checking on Canyon. Booker T is making his way to the top rope, but Jeff Jarrett shows up and clubs him in the head with the guitar, and then Canyon. Sets him up on the second rope and hits the canyon cutter, a.k.a. the diamond cutter, to get the win at 10 minutes and 5 seconds. Easily the best thing on the show f- so far. And it was just it's just weird to see Booker lose here and then win later on in the night. It's weird. You almost can think about Seth Rollins winning the money, like have it, cashing in the Money in the Bank ladder mat, uh, Money in the Bank contract after his... Uh, Lost to Randy Orton at WrestleMania 31, but this was under totally different circumstances, and it made little to no sense. But still, I'm gonna give this match a B minus, one of the best things on the, on the night. And then we get Mike Awesome flirting with one of the Viking ladies backstage, and the interview the interviewer wants him to talk about his U.S. title match, his upcoming U.S. title match with Scott Steiner, and he's beaten him twice already, and he said and says he's gonna make it a trifecta tonight. Mike Awesome versus Scott Steiner for the WCW uh, U.S. Championship, and they have a pretty solid match uh, and. Very physical between these two, of course. You, as you'd expect, Mike Awesome and Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner actually is a face at this point. He shows up with Madeja at ringside. And Awesome is winning the match. And he has a top rope clothesline for a near fall. And then Miller, Ernest the Cat Miller shows up for some reason in the later stages of this match. Steiner blocks a suplex attempt and hits one of his own. Steiner then ducks a clothesline and hits a belly-to-belly. Miller gets on the mic as Steiner's going for the Steiner recliner and says, oh, no, you don't. And then Awesome low blows Steiner and hits an Alabama slam for a two-count. Awesome hits the frog splash. Steiner kicks out. Awesome then goes for the Awesome bomb. Steiner escapes, and then he knocks Awesome into the official. Ernest the Cat Miller goes in the ring and goes for a kick. Steiner ducks and hit Awesome ends up eating the kick. Belly to belly to Miller by Steiner, and then a belly to belly to Awesome, and then he says, "Oh no, you don't do that." Does uh, that's what Ernest Miller says, and says he'll strip him of the title if he does the Steiner recliner. Meanwhile, before this, all this is uh, happening, they're hitting each other with weapon shots and everything, which makes no sense in hindsight. Using all having all these weapons used throughout the match, I guess every match in WCW at this point was no DQ unless it was decided by the commissioner or somebody else because they're all using weapons shots freely and there's not really any countouts outside the ring during these matches in WCW. But Steiner rock, locks in the Steiner recliner and Steiner says F you and does it anyway. Then Miller calls for the bell, stripping Steiner of the title. And really, we have no clue who the U.S. champ is at this point. We have no clue that they mentioned it on commentary. So no one is U.S. champion at this point. Then Steiner clubs Miller from behind at the top of the ramp. And then he T-bones Awesome into the ring. And that's the end of the segment. Well, the post-match segment for this match. For this match, I'm going to give it a C-plus grade. The overbooking at the end killed this one. They were actually having a very entertaining match. 
and physical match as you'd expect up until the end. Awesome. He's awesome as usual. He's showing off his athleticism and stuff. Steiner held his own during this. I wish they would have not overbooked this match because they were having a pretty decent match up until the overbooking at the end. I'm going to give it a C+. Then we get Vampiro versus the Kiss Demon in a graveyard match. No, it wasn't a boneyard match. It was a graveyard match. And the way you win this match is by escaping the graveyard and getting back to the ring and the arena. And this was absolutely, positively terrible. This was terrible. You think some of the... You think the Swamp match was bad? Watch this match. It's not like a cinematic match, but still, it is god-awful what this what they produced here. Literally, the production of this match was... Part of the production feature of this match was the lighting... The lighting, the only lighting they had was Charles Robinson holding up a flashlight. Holding up a flashlight. So you'd barely see anything during this match. And I don't know. If you want to watch it, go watch it. I would definitely skip out on this completely. So I'm going to give you the last few moments of this, uh, well, what we called it a match. Um, they're fighting with each other, the Kiss Demon and Vampiro. Vampiro tries to drown the demon as they got into water after uh, Vampiro dragged uh, the Kiss Demon's friend Asia, to, well, manager, to the to the water. And Medasia's, uh, not Medasia, but Asia's sitting in the fetal position. The Kiss Demon was one meets him at the water, and after he got uh, shoved into a grave... So he goes to the water, and Vampiro's lurking in the water. They fight each other in the water, and the, then uh, Vampiro tries to drown the demon in the water. And then Vampiro then goes on to continue to walk with Asia. Ref then has to help the demon out of the water. Demon runs to find Asia knocked out by a casket that was shown earlier. Uh, shown as the match was getting started. Vampiro then pops out of the casket and spits liquid into the demon's face. Then Vampiro said, you should have joined me, and clubs him over the head with a tombstone and puts the demon in the casket, lifts it, and flips it in a grave, and then throws a torch into the grave. So I guess this was over. Actually, it was technically not over because Vampiro would show up later in the night. But as a match, I'm going to give this an F. Another stupid, stupid, stupid match. Production was god-awful, especially with just the flashlight as the only uh, lighting for this match. And uh, sounded like the commentators didn't even know the rules of this match, which they actually did. But uh, this was just stupid. This was just stupid. There's nothing redeeming about this match. And whose bright idea was to do this? Probably Russo's, and it was... Dumb as hell. Then we get Mean Gene with Shane Douglas talking about how he turned his back on Buff Bagwell. And Buff Bagwell is not greater than a franchise. And he tells fans to mark this down as a guarantee that he will beat Buff Bagwell here tonight. And we get Buff Bagwell versus Shane Douglas next. And oh boy, guess what? We get another Russo swerve during this because... 
later on in the match, this match goes about seven minutes or so, uh, Tori Wilson makes her way to the ring. Shane is distracted. Tori slaps him. Buff gets a roll up for a two count. Buff then with the rights, back elbow, clothesline, and a running cross body. And then Buff gets a Vader bomb on Shane a few moments later. Buff has Tori get in the ring and they kiss. But then Tori kicks Buff in the nuts from behind. And Shane hits a Fisherman's Buster for a near fall. Buff hits a double arm DDT and Shane kicks out. Buff then goes to the second rope. Tori grabs his leg. Buff grabs her by the hair and hair and shoves her off the apron. Shane then hits an inverted atomic drop, then a jawbreaker to get the win, which looked absolutely stupid. And then Tori celebrates with Shane afterward by kissing him. This was dumb as hell, too. They were having a good match up until the overbooking came into play and the confusing interference, I'll say. He's like, oh, which side is she on? Because she slapped Shane and then kicked Buff in the nuts. And you're like, what side is she on? Because it doesn't seem like she's on any side. But I guess it turns out that she was on Shane Douglas's side. Dumb swerve here. And I don't know. The match was fine. And I'm going to give the match a C plus. But if it would, if the terrible booking would have not taken place, the terrible overbooking, I would have gave this a B minus. And this show is a dumpster fire at this point and guess what it gets even worse so hogan is shown walking backstage mean mean gene interviewing Jarrett and telling Jarrett that i told you hogan would be here and calls uh mean gene jurassic slap ass which was really funny uh tonight plan a goes into effect and hogan has made a lot of enemies so allies aren't hard to find hogan was to note here, uh, Hogan was stretchered out of the ring the last time he was in the ring with Jeff Jarrett, and that was when Goldberg jackhammered him through a table. And then we get Michael Buffer with the ring introductions, and we get told that Vampiro hasn't arrived to the arena yet, and we still have a contract match coming up after this World Heavyweight Championship match. It's Hulk Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Jeff Jarrett is the reigning WCW champion at this point, and Jarrett's music plays for like a whole minute and a half before he comes out, and then they cut to the crowd, and it seems like fans really don't give a crap other than being on camera, and then Russo shows up. Vince Russo shows up with a baseball bat after Jarrett's music plays. Jarrett then eventually makes his way to the ring after Russo, and Hulk Hogan earned his shot at the World Heavyweight Championship by defeating Kidman at Great American Bash. And then Hogan, he motions for the mic, calls Jarrett the chosen one to get powerbombed through the mat. And he wants Jarrett to get in the ring. And Jarrett at this point is standing on the ramp. Jarrett then refuses to get in the ring until Hogan lets him in. And when he does, the bell rings and Jarrett just lays down in the middle of it. And apparently Russo told Jarrett to lie down Russo afterward throws the world title in the ring, actually. Actually, he throws the world title in the ring before Hogan even pins him. Hogan stands there for a good 30 seconds or something. He wants a mic. Russo walks away and says, Is this your deal, Russo? This is why the company's in the damn shape it's in, because of BS like this. This is a direct quote from Hulk Hogan. Hogan then puts his foot on Jarrett, gets the three count to win the title. Jarrett gets up and just walks up the ramp. 
Commentary says this is real, and Shivani said, this said it best here. There are swerves, and there are swerves. And guess what? We have all been swerved. And I'm going to give this an F. So what the hell was this? And I'm going to give you some information on what the hell this was. Because supposedly, you can find this in the uh, WCW, Death of WCW book by R.D. Reynolds and Brian Alvarez. It was a shoot and a work. It was supposed to be a half shoot, half work, but it turned into a full shoot. So it's believed that only Hogan, Russo, and Bischoff were in on this. And that's the crazy thing, because Jeff Jarrett wasn't even in on this. And supposedly Russo and Jeff Jarrett were really good buddies at this point, and Jarrett didn't even know about this. There's more to come with this, just wait, because Russo's going to be talking here after this uh, next segment. So Shivani, they cut to Shivani, and he's baffled. And then we get Vampiro in the arena, and he walks right by Hogan. Vampiro then's walking up the ramp with a mic. Vampiro gets in the ring, which means he won the graveyard match. And then he says the dark cycle has been completed. Uh, the demon is dead. He promised the whole world he would destroy both the demon and uh, Dale Torbord, which was the demon, and Sting, and he did. Uh, Dale Torbord told us to walk on the dark side, and he got buried alive. And then Vampiro is looking around for Sting at this point. And then Druids with Sting masks roll a casket towards the ring, claims Sting is dead, uh, does Vampiro. And then he opens the casket, and it's Sting. Everybody's holding baseball bats, and then we get kind of flashes of light. Sting attacking Vampiro and putting him in the casket, and then Sting disappears. Then we get Goldberg with Mean Gene, and Goldberg's going to make Nash suffer and rip up the contract right in his face tonight, and he's going to end Scott Hall's career tonight at the expense of Kevin Nash. A worked shoot, but it turned out a little bit too much, uh, too long. It ended up being too long, and it was a little too vicious for Hulk Hogan because it ended up being, Hulk Hogan ended up filing a defamation lawsuit against Vince Russo as a result of this promo. But I'm going to give you direct quotes from this. He said three weeks ago he left WCW and didn't know if he was going to come back. The reason why he didn't know is because from day one, I've done nothing but deal with the backstage politics. And then talks about how he's got a wife and, a, and kids at home, and he doesn't need this crap. And he tells you why he came back, and he came back for the guys in the locker room that bust their behinds for him for WCW. Booker T, MIA, the animals, Jarrett, and the people who give a, a, a blank about the company and Hogan doesn't care. He says, let me tell you what happened in the ring. Russo's playing politics all day because Hogan is playing his creative control card, which he had that in WCW. And tonight in the middle of the ring, when he knew it was BS, he beat Jarrett. And guess what? Hogan got his wish, got his belt and went home. And he promises everybody that he will not, you will never see that POS again. That's Hulk Hogan, and nobody's going to get ripped off tonight 
and he refers to the belt as a Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt because it doesn't mean crap. And it's the funny thing at this point is WCW's World Heavyweight Championship meant absolutely zero at this point because there was already so many title changes uh, this year already. Because there will be a new there there will be a new WCW belt, and as far as he's concerned, the belt still belongs to Jeff Jarrett. So Jeff Jarrett is technically still World Heavyweight Champion, and he'll defend the title tonight, and he'll defend it against Booker T, uh, who has been working hard for 14 years but can't get a shot due to Hogan and Booker and Jeff are the reason why reasons why he's standing in the ring in the first place. Hogan, you big bald sob, kiss my ass, drops the mic. And walks off. And honestly, this is the best thing on the show. This is the best thing on the show here. This promo from Vince Russo. This is the only thing I would recommend you to check out during this. I Check out the, the terrible segment for Hulk and Jarrett, what led to it. And then I'd watch the promo from Vince Russo here. And <laughs> I feel like more effort was put into that than anything else on this entire show. Then we get Nash making his way towards the ring, and we got Kevin Nash versus Goldberg for Scott Hall's contract. Nash took for, takes forever to get up the ramp, get to the ramp. Uh, Nash is the face in this match. Goldberg is the heel. This match goes only for about four minutes, and Goldberg gets Nash in the corner and pounds Nash with rights early on. Goldberg talks with the official. Gives an opening to Nash. Nash with a boot in the corner. Goldberg sweeps the leg. Uh, single underhook suplex for a near fall by Goldberg. Goldberg then hits some body blows. Followed by a step behind sidekick. Nash then hits a choke slam. Goldberg kicks out at two. Steiner and Medeja, they're out to encourage Nash. Goldberg chokes Nash. Goldberg pounding Nash in the corner. Whips Nash in the corner. Nash gets his boot up. Nash with a side slam. Goldberg then goes headfirst into the corner on a spear attempt. And then Nash had been uh, tagging with Steiner prior to this. And Nash talked to Steiner before this match backstage for a brief moment. And then Steiner makes his way to the ring. Nash sets up for the jackknife. Steiner jumps Nash from behind. Nash hits a big boot on Steiner. And then turns around into a spear from Goldberg. And then hits... Goldberg hits a jackhammer to end things at 4 minutes and 21 seconds. And then Goldberg rips the contract up and Nash's face as Steiner locks in the Steiner recliner on Kevin Nash. And this is one of, well, five of like six swerves here that happened tonight. Plenty of swerves, plenty of Russo swerves that took place on this WCW pay-per-view known as Bash at the Beach. And four years earlier, Kevin Nash... And Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall all uh, all teamed up, all uh, teamed up to be the NWO. This was the, this was nearly four years, uh, four year anniversary of that uh, NWO initially forming with Nash, uh, Hall, and Hulk Hogan. The famous heel turn from Hulk Hogan happened at this pay per view four years ago, and this was just a dumb swerve. I. Like this part of the match. They kept it short. Four minutes. That's fine. A shorter Goldberg match is always better. I'm going to give this match a C. Then we get Mean Gene with Booker backstage. And Booker doesn't know what's going on. And we're like, we don't know either. And the opportunity is knocked. And he will be damned if he doesn't answer that door 
tonight, and he'll do what it takes to take that gold home. And then we get Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And this match gets plenty of time, 13 minutes and 40 seconds. There's actually some in-ring psychology. This is the first bit of it I've, I've known, I've seen uh, here tonight. And that's actually Jeff Jarrett working the knee of Booker T for a minute or two. He actually gets a figure four leg lock on Booker. Booker then eventually reverses the pressure and Jarrett gets to the rope and Jarrett continues to work Booker's knee and this is the last five or so minutes of the match. Earlier in the match, they were fighting uh, in the crowd, which happened prior uh, earlier on in the night also in another match, but they continued, they fight in the crowd early on. Jarrett later on in the match works the knee for a bit and Booker counters a hip drop to the knee and Booker then hits a knee to the gut and the scissors kick. Then he follows up with a spin rooney whips Jarrett into the ropes and hits a spine buster. Jarrett gets his shoulder up at the last second on the cover. Booker then misses the step behind crescent kick. Jarrett then mounts Booker in the corner and pounds him. Jarrett whips Booker into the official in the corner. And this is where stuff breaks down. Jeff Jarrett grabs the belt, swings and misses on Booker, boot by book. Booker then clubs Jarrett in the head with the belt. Ref comes in, comes to, and Jarrett gets the shoulder up at the last second again. A low blow by Jarrett. Then Jeff Jarrett grabs a chair and wedges it in the corner. And earlier on in the night, Booker and Canyon did the same kind of spot, and Booker whipped Canyon's back into it. But Jarrett ends up eating the chair, ends up going headfirst into the chair, and Jarrett kicks out again. Then Booker whips Jarrett into the ropes. Uppercut Jarrett. Jarrett then hits the stroke on the official. Jarrett kicks Booker in the slap nuts. Uh, I, I had to use that there. Jarrett then grabs the guitar, jumps off the top rope with it. And as the replacement official runs up, runs down to the ring, perfect timing, I guess. Booker T hits the bookend and wins the match and the WCW title. And... This was actually not a bad match. They actually had some in-ring psychology during this, which was nice because I hadn't seen it all night. And still, though, there was way too many ref bumps during this, but this was very minor in comparison to what we saw throughout the night, to, uh, throughout the pay-per-view. And there was no swerves in this one. Thank goodness, and I'll take it. It was an entertaining main event between the two, and the crowd really popped for the title change. And then Booker... Really, in my opinion, was the MVP of the show because he had the two best matches of the night. He had the first one with Canyon, and he had the uh, one with uh, Jeff Jarrett right here. And Booker, after this, would actually hold the title for 50 days, which was the longest reign of 2000 at this point for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going give to give this match a B-. And for the overall grade, though, of this show, a C minus. This is the lowest graded show I I have done so far. Lowest grade, worst show I've seen so far. There were a couple of decent matches on this show, but they were overshadowed by the Hogan Jarrett Russo debacle, the graveyard match, and the god awful nightgown match. I didn't think WCW in 2000 could could get much worse than Slamboree, but they really topped themselves here on this one. Booker T and Jeff Jarrett, Booker and Canyon, and then Chavo and Hoovy were honestly the best things on this show. And that's the only thing I can really recommend 
to see, and they're not like great matches by any means, but they were decent matches. But really, the only thing I would go back to watch for this pay-per-view is the Russo shoot promo after the Hogan-Jarrett thing that happened earlier on where Jarrett laid down for the 1-2-3. Well, I hope you enjoyed that portion of the pay-per-view review for WCW Bash at the Beach 2000. Let's go to the Where Are They Now portion of this show. Chavo Guerrero, he has appeared on the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Netflix show, and he's appeared recently on the Impact Wrestling's Victory Road pay-per-view last year, losing his WCR title to MVP. And then we got Hooventude, uh, the Juice. He wrestled for AAA in January of this year in a tag match against Jake Crist and Sammy Callahan. Vito, he retired from in-ring competition in 2014. Norman Smiley, you know him as a trainer for WWE's uh, developmental, really, which is NXT. His last notable match was a loss to Greg Valentine at a FIP show named Southern Justice in May of 2008. And he reti- he has since retired from in-ring action. And then we get to Ralphus. I'm really not sure about the whereabouts of Ralphus. He There's not much information on him on the internet. So we'll move on to Daphne. Daphne's last notable match happened for Impact in 2010. And her last major company appearance was for Ring of Honor during a Women of Honor Championship Tournament match between Kelly Klein and Sumi Sakai. Miss Hancock, also known as Stacy Keebler, retired from wrestling in 2006. Actually, she inducted Tori Wilson into the WWE Hall of Fame WrestleMania 35 weekend. She has two daughters and is married to Future Ads CEO Jared Pobre. Apologize if I messed up on the pronunciation of that. And for Chronic, Brian Adams, he retired in 2003 due to a spinal injury. And he passed away in August of 2007 due to a mixture of painkillers, muscle relaxers, and sedatives. And he actually, his last match was with Clark against Bill Goldberg and Keiji Muto in Japan in early 2003. Brian Clark, he would also retire the same year as Adams due to injuries. Earlier this year, though, Clark was arrested on five felony charges on things that occurred from January uh, and April, from January to April 2019, which included conspiracy, drug possession, illegal control of enterprise, possessing a weapon during a drug offense, and transporting or selling narcotics. Sean Stasiak would retire from in-ring competition in 2002, currently works as a chiropractor and a motivational speaker. His last match for WWE was a loss against D'Lo Brown on a Sunday night heat taping in September of 2002. Palumbo, he would wrestle his final match in professional wrestling against Jason Cash in a future star wrestling New Year's resolution show in 2012. Currently runs his own business called CP Customs, where he builds motorcycles, repairs them, and also customizes cars and motorcycles. Canyon, he retired from in-ring competition in 2007. Uh, His last notable match, he appeared on a World Wrestling Legends show in 2006 in a losing effort against DDP. He also wrestled in a PWG show in 2005, Pro Pro Wrestling Gorilla against Joey Ryan. Canyon, though, was found dead by his brother in his apartment in April of 2010 after an apparent overdose 
of uh, antidepressants. He uh, previously struggled with bipolar disorder and had been threatening suicide in the weeks prior to his death. He also had a book released after his death that talks about his struggles of being a closeted, closeted gay man in 2011. Booker T, he retired in 2013, now mostly works on the kickoff panel for pay-per-views. He also appeared on WWE Backstage when that was a thing. He runs his own wrestling promotion out of Texas known as Reality of Wrestling. He did wrestle one match here for it back in February, and he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2013. Mike Awesome would be found dead by his friends after he hung himself in his Tampa home at age 42 back in February of 2007. His last notable match took place at ECW One Night Stand 2005 against Masato Tanaka. And after retiring from the wrestling business, he worked as a real estate agent. Scott Steiner, he most recently appeared at NWA Hard Times back in January of this year. He uh, collapsed at an impact taping back in March, according to Fightful's Sean Ross Sapp. He did make a recovery. Vampiro, he's last, he last notably wrestled in an uh, IWA Mid-South show, and in 2019, uh, he revealed on his Facebook page that he had Alzheimer's disease. Dale, Torbor Dale Torberg, known as... The Kiss Demon last notably wrestled for TNA against Lance Hoyt at Against All Odds in 2007. Shane Douglas, he wrestled in a battle royal at WrestleCade at a WrestleCade show last November. Buff Bagwell, he still makes indie appearances here and there. Hogan was announced as a 2020 WW Hall of Fame inductee as a part of the NWO with Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman. That was back announced back in December, but that is yet to take place. That induction has yet to take place due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He did appear via satellite on SmackDown back, back in February. But he was interrupted by Bray Wyatt. Jeff Jarrett was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2018. He's currently a full-time member of the creative team in WWE. Goldberg most recently appeared on WrestleMania 36 and lost his Universal Championship to Braun Strowman. And then Nash, he officially announced on Twitter in January that he retired from in-ring competition back in... Uh, well, January of this year, due to the rehab he had to do on his replaced knee. And that's it for the Where Are They Now portion of this show. I hope you enjoyed the pay-per-view review for Bash at the Beach 2000 from WCW. I hope you enjoyed the Where Are They Now portion of the show. More content coming your way soon. Next week will be another retro pay-per-view review. I have yet to announce that. I will announce it via Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. And make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and other podcasting platforms to listen to my previous retro pay-per-view reviews or my past weekend reviews. Got plenty of content on there. Over 65 episodes so far of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I hope you enjoyed it so far. More stuff to come here soon for you guys.
Until next time, though, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.